Thank you so much for tuning into the Chronic Illness Support Podcast. Today, our guest is Lindsay Trombley, who will be talking about her journey with endometriosis. Endometriosis occurs when tissue similar to the urine lining is found in other places in the body. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lindsay. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, Samantha. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here with y'all today. My name is Lindsay Trombley. I am a transformational coach, and I have developed my Woman to Warrior coaching program. It is a unique program that uses DNA nutrition, mindset work, and embodiment techniques to allow women to manage their pain and take back their life. I am so happy to share my story with y'all and I hope you get a lot of value from it. I was born in Minnesota and I first developed symptoms um, when I was 14. Um, I had really bad periods. I would miss school and stuff and I was put on birth control and it actually worked once I found a birth control that worked for me. It actually worked until um, I was about 24. And then just kind of out of the blue, I began to experience pain daily. So I had cramping and issues with um, just fatigue and pain on a daily basis. And so I went back to the clinic and I was like, hey, like, period pain is back, but now I actually have pain every day. And they scheduled my first lap because my mom actually has endometriosis too. So I didn't really have to do the whole fight like to get a surgery thing. So that was nice. Um, but I was scheduled for my first lap that year, which was 2009. But unfortunately, my endometriosis was missed um, in my laparoscopy. So they actually ended up taking out my appendix and they told me oh your appendix looks weird it's inflamed and it was red but it looked funny so we just took it out and you should be better once you recover from that and that was not the case so for three more years I just continued to go downhill um, I saw every single doctor and specialists for my symptoms. I had every test done, blood work, urine work. Um, and yet they all told me that because I had a laparoscopy done before that it wasn't endometriosis and there was nothing that they could find in my blood work or my urine work. So I was just getting really fed up. Um, I, went to my, I went to Facebook because I could barely function at this point. I was literally, I was in college and I remember I was just so tired that I would go to school and then I would come home and I would just sit on a heating pad and lay in bed and do my homework. And sleeping was really difficult, but I would like sleep with a heating pad and wake up and I was just so tired all the time and in so much pain. And so I just started going on Facebook groups and I, in my heart, knew that it was endometriosis. I don't know, I just had a feeling even though it was missed. So I started joining um, endometriosis groups and adenomyosis groups and started talking to people. And um, I found this specialist on the East Coast that was an alternative for hysterectomy specialist. And I had a phone consult with him. And so at age 26, which was two and a half years later from my first um, surgery, 
I had a pelvic MRI done that came up with suspected adenomyosis, but no doctor would perform a hysterectomy on me at that age when I hadn't had a baby yet. And so I kind of just felt stuck. Um, I just kept researching and I just kept talking to people. And I ended up joining a Facebook group called Nancy's Nook Endometriosis Group and finding that there was a specialist in my area in Minneapolis. So I made an appointment with him. Um, he's one of the top specialists in the entire country. His name is Dr. Hegard, and he's worked on women for about 20 years with endometriosis. So I knew that I was in good hands and he knew what he was doing. And we scheduled a laparoscopy because he was like, I'm pretty sure you have endometriosis, but they just missed it. And that's when I learned that there's only like 250 endometriosis specialists in the entire world that can recognize all the forms of endometriosis and be able to remove it properly. So what I had done was basically they just burned off um, some things that looked weird, <laughs> they said, in my body. And so it never went away. It was just kind of grew back. So how right. I describe excision from a normal laparoscopy is it's kind of like mowing the grass versus pulling out the weeds. So you just kind of put a bandaid on it for a little while and whether it's months or whether it's years, it just, you're not getting to the root of the disease. And so it really breaks my heart that that's what most women have to go through. And that's why you see it taking an average of 10 years for women to get diagnosed with endometriosis because they might have had surgery, but not with somebody that could actually diagnose them with endometriosis just like I did. So um, yeah, we made a plan that he would go in there and he would excise everything that he could. And since we knew that um, I had suspected adenomyosis, which for you that don't know what it is, it's basically endometriosis inside your uterus. And so the typical treatment for that is a hysterectomy. Um, and so nobody would do it for me. And I, I begged him, I was like, if I don't have endometriosis, can you please give me a hysterectomy? I know I haven't had a child, but I really can't deal with this pain anymore. And if I don't have endometriosis, I know that this is what's causing my pain. And so he promised me that he would, and he went in and he excised everything that he could. I was covered in endometriosis. I had it on my cervix. I had it on my uterosacral ligament, which is why I had so much sciatic pain. And that was the main thing for me was I could deal with the pelvic pain, but the sciatic pain was killer. Like I couldn't sit for a long time. I couldn't stand for a long time. And so that really helped um, with that pain, but I still had pain. So I heard that excision was supposed to be a cure. And after you had it, you were basically supposed to be pain free. And while I was in less pain and I owe my life to Dr. Hegard, I was not pain free. And so I just went on like a radical health journey. I completely changed my life. Um, 
And I do believe excision saved me, but I don't believe that I would be surgery free seven years later without changing my life because I wasn't pain free and I'm still not pain free, but I have less pain than I had. So, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry you went through all of that. And that was a great analogy that you used about mowing the grass um, with excision versus ablation. Yeah, it's crazy because, like I said, only 200 doctors worldwide actually practice excision. And one out of 10 women have endo. So think about how many people are just getting ablation and just getting it burned off and lasered off um, versus actually getting that gold standard treatment. It just, it makes me really irate. And it also just like breaks my heart because I know so many women that they go in and it's like a yearly thing. Like they have surgery every single year. And they just never get that right treatment. And after you have so many surgeries, you have to think of the implications of the actual surgery causing pain as well. So you can have scar tissue, you can have adhesions from surgery. And so it starts to get to the point after you have so many surgeries that you don't know what's causing the pain anymore. You don't know if it's the actual endometriosis or if it's just the fact that you have so much scar tissue and adhesion from surgery. So it really gets to be that like dark kind of lining of, okay, what can I actually do? And so I really believe in mind-body-spirit alignment and wellness, and that is what my journey is all about. And so after I had excision, I was like, what else can I do for the pain? Because this is the gold standard of treatment and I had this done. And so now what can I do to manage my pain? And so um, I took my journey with implementing health and wellness into my life. I changed, I completely changed my diet And it took me a really long time to figure that out. So I did a lot of elimination diets, eliminating um, meat, and then eliminating dairy and eliminating um, sugar and really tracking all that through food journaling. Mm -hmm. I also did a lot of scientific research outside of that to learn about nutrition and nutrigenomics, if you know what that is. And I really learned that nutrition plays a huge factor on our oxidative stress in our body. And oxidative stress is actually the number one cause of disease. And so if you can reduce your oxidative stress by getting the proper nutrition, you can actually do miracles for your body in both reducing pain, reducing disease, and actually preventing disease in the future. So science has come a super long way. And now we have what's called DNA nutrition testing, which I am, I wish I would have had this when I was going through everything because it tests like 665,000 genes 
and comes up with a complete profile of foods that you shouldn't eat for your body and you should eat. So it's just like a night and day. Here's the difference of eating right for my DNA and just eating a clean, healthy diet. Because just because something's healthy in general, like broccoli, doesn't mean that it's going to be good for that person. So I know a lot of people that can't eat broccoli, but it's a healthy food, right? And so what DNA nutrition does is it gives you that complete list of healthy food, whole foods that you should eat and shouldn't eat. So you can reduce that inflammation in your body, like times 10, what you would normally be doing with just eating a healthy diet. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. And so I've also really learned the power of mindset and been studying pain and mindset and the correlation between pain and the physical body and the mind. And it's really fascinating. So you can actually reduce your pain with getting in the proper mindset. So I started doing personal development about a decade ago when I was in pain. I was not able to perform as well when I was in that peak amount of pain, just because when you're in that state, it's really hard to focus on anything other than pain. So like meditating for me was really hard when I was in that, um, in that state. But once I kind of got to managing my pain a little bit better, I was really able to do meditation. I did some gratitude work, uh, resiliency. And what that does is it lowers your stress. So your oxidative stress and your stress, your cortisol levels and your um, oxytocin and your serotonin and everything are very dependent on the stress that you have in your life. And not only the outside stress, but the inside stress of your body. So if you can lower that and you can control that, you actually are able to really um, reduce that physical pain. So I incorporate that as well through meditation, through um, guided Um, binaural beats that kind of put you in a different state. I've been experimenting with that. Um, Yoga is really great for that. And so I incorporate that as well as nutrition. And then also embodiment techniques. So a lot of breath work, um, kudalini yoga, if you've heard of that. I do a lot of that kind of stuff. And what that really does is it just allows you to be in the present moment and to um, connect and align your mind, body, and spirit. And you would be surprised like how powerful that actually is when you feel like your pain isn't in control of you anymore. Like you're actually in control of your pain. Yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been a heck of a journey, but I've literally made it my life's mission now to help other women with endometriosis like that are in pain and that have gone through everything. They've gone through excision, they've gone through 
you know, trying all these different things and they're still not where they want to be. Um, my clients have had a lot of success with DNA nutrition, mindset work, and embodiment work. Yeah, that's great. Um, you touched on this a little bit, but what made you decide to become an advocate? Just like, I don't, I don't know if I really decided necessarily to become an advocate. It's just, I was an advocate for myself and yeah. I decided that I had to advocate for my health because nobody else was listening to me. Nobody else was going to do it for me. And I'm just one of those people that just doesn't take no for an answer. Like I was like, <laughs> you're telling me there's nothing wrong with me, but there's definitely something wrong with me. So I'm going to be an advocate and I'm going to go do research and I'm going to you know stick up for everybody and when I joined all these Facebook groups and I started talking to all these women I noticed like all these patterns you know of what I was feeling and what they were feeling and so when I was doing all this outside research and learning all these things that I was and implementing these things it was just natural like I'm just like I have to share this with people like mm -hmm. I have to tell people about what's working for me and what's helped me and over time it was like people really appreciated that and really respected that and so i just i kept going with it and what made me decide to be a transformational coach that helps women with chronic pain and endometriosis is literally just the knowledge that I learned and putting it all together and realizing what it did for me and wanting to do that for other people because I feel like my program is really unique and it's not really something that is being taught like mind, body, spirit alignment for pain isn't something that's being taught. Um, DNA nutrition is really new to the public. Like it's been going on for about 20 years now but as far as if you walk down the street and you ask somebody, do you know about DNA nutrition? They'll be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and so using all of these things and really getting amazing results, it was like, I don't know. I didn't really choose it. It kind of just came to me, you know, it was just kind of a calling. And then once I started helping people, it was just like, this is my purpose. This is my mission. And I need to, tell everybody and help everybody that I can with this so yeah yeah that's great that you've been able to use what you've been through to help other people yeah I've always really just tried to think of endo as I mean it's something that you have to live with for the rest of your life it's an incurable mm -hmm. disease so you really have to think like, am I going to let this control me or define me? Or am I going to take this experience and rise above it and use it as a negative and turn it into a positive? So that's yeah. what I try to do. And that's what I teach everybody else to do that works with me as well. Yeah, that's really important. Um, how long did you suffer with symptoms before you were diagnosed? Um, well, if you could count when I was 14, because that's when it all first started, um, 14 years. But like I said, my symptoms were kind of off and on um, until I was 24, and then they were really bad for 
about three and a half years. So I was actually kind of lucky, but like I said, I'm stubborn and I really just wouldn't take no for an answer. And I did a lot of work to actually find an excision specialist. And that's something that I definitely help people with too. So just throwing that out there, if anybody wants to reach out to me, um, I can definitely help you find a specialist in your area because I don't, I just don't ever want to see anybody go through that. These are my only options and not really know what their options are or be able to find the treatment that they need. Yeah, that's really important. Um, would you like to talk more about the treatments that you tried and what helped? Oh man, like I've literally tried everything. So I've been on tons of different birth controls. Um, the one that I found for me was the low dose birth control that you take every for three months at a time. And that was actually what I was on for about eight years before my symptoms got really bad. And then I was still on it um, all through that time after I had excision, I got an IUD put in and then I was still on the pill. And it was only until I started practicing all this alternative um, medicine that I've only had an IUD now for like two years and haven't been on any birth control. So that's definitely something. Um, I refuse to do Lupron or Depo. Um, I, like I said, I had two surgeries. I have a specific diet for me that took me about a decade to figure out like which foods to eat and not eat to avoid my pain triggers. But then when I added DNA nutrition on top of that, it was just like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have had this because it was really funny. Like the foods that were listed were the exact ones that I found out through like all of my trial and error of being a guinea pig on myself for the last decade. So that was really validating, like that people can just get these results in a month that took me a decade to figure out. Um, I also do probiotics daily because 80% of the health is in the gut. And so I really try to stress that when anybody has anything that's autoimmune, which jury's still out if endo is autoimmune or not, but a lot of women that have endo also have autoimmune diseases. And so it's really just good for anybody to take probiotics, but especially if you have any type of um, autoimmune disease, definitely take a probiotic, a good quality probiotic. I take turmeric for anti-inflammation every single day. And then, like I said, I do a lot of personal development. I do yoga. Um, I work with essential oils. I use non-toxic products in my home. So whether it's my soap or makeup or shampoo or deodorant, it's all non-toxic. Um, and then I do like stress management therapy. And what really helped me was I used to have really, I couldn't have sex for like two years before my excision. And what really helped me with that was pelvic physical therapy. So I did that right after my surgery to release um, tension, tight muscles caused by years of 
chronic pain and physiological stress and physical stress and that really improved my sex life so anybody that's listening to this with endometriosis that has that I definitely recommend um, going and seeing if that will help you with that as well I've also done acupuncture which really helps meditation and chiropractic so all of these things that I've done um, what I can really stress on a regular basis that people can do that has helped me the most is that diet, that personal development, and that um, spiritual meditation um, embodiment work. Yeah, that's all really helpful information. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you cope? So yeah, pretty much like I said, all of that on a daily basis. Um, I'm not pain free. I will never be pain free. But I would say my pain is about a two on average. And that that's I can deal with that I can manage that. And I would never be able to manage that if I didn't follow the diet that I follow. And I know that for a fact, because every time I cheat on something, I immediately know, like, I shouldn't have ate that. Like, and that's another thing that I teach my clients is mindful eating. Because when you become really attuned with your body and what you put into it, and you see food as a medicine and a fuel, instead of just food, it becomes this complete different experience. And so having a specific diet becomes not a chore or not something that you are, oh, I can't have this food and I can't have this food, but it becomes like this food is actually what makes me feel really good. This, if I don't eat this way, I will suffer. So my diet is one of my biggest things. And the thing that I will stress with everybody is figure out your diet, give the body the nutrition that it needs, and it will heal itself. Um, and then, like I said, just I've been doing personal development for a decade now, and I will never stop. I'll never stop learning or growing or expanding in that. Because the more self aware that you can be about your pain and about um, your triggers and be attuned with your body, the more control that you have, the more control that you have. I feel like for me, I have less anxiety, I have less stress around it. And so that really helps me cope. Yeah, definitely. What other information would you like to discuss about endometriosis? Um, I mean, I feel like we covered a lot, but what I will say is be an advocate for your own health. Do not take no for an answer. If you've been to every single doctor and they still tell you that there's nothing wrong, but you wake up feeling, you know, like crap all the time or you're in pain all the time, like don't take no for an answer. Like reach out to me, go on Facebook. There's a ton of support. There's a ton of endometriosis groups and just tell them what's going on. And you would be surprised how many women, the community is amazing. Like the endo sister community, I would not be where I am without them. And 
I haven't even met most of these women in real life, but I can't even tell you what they've done for me and how they've helped me. So just don't be afraid to be an advocate, reach out for help, be open with your disease with people because the more awareness around endometriosis that we have, I mean, one in 10 women have it. Like you shouldn't be ashamed to have it. And I feel like it can be such an isolating disease because you can't see it. No, not a lot of people are aware of it. And especially for it being a female reproductive disease, it's not exactly something that people want to talk about, right? Right. But I feel like when you can explain it to your friends and your family and when you can come out with it, like people are really understanding for the most part. And they're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know you actually suffered that much. or I didn't know that you were in that much pain. So just the more awareness that we can bring around it, the more money that we can get for research and the faster that we're going to be able to figure out the cause of endometriosis and be able to find a cure for it eventually. But if for now, just do anything that you can to align that mind, body, spirit and get your body in in a healthy state and it will it will help your endometriosis for sure yeah all that is really important would you like to talk more about the other illnesses that you have so other than endo i just have a denim adenomyosis and like i said it's basically just endometriosis inside the uterus a lot of women that have endometriosis also have adenomyosis but it's not it's considered two separate diseases and it's not like it always goes one along with the other one. Like some people just have endo, some people just have adeno. Um, but the same things kind of for endometriosis that are prescribed are prescribed for adenomyosis as well. So the same treatments with nutrition and minds at work and everything can also work for adenomyosis. If you only have adenomyosis, um, a hysterectomy is probably going to be your best bet for a cure, even though there's not technically a cure. Um, if you have it only in your uterus, like you take your uterus out, most women do have um kind of a cure with that but it's but again you might not so i always suggest going with natural therapies before surgery surgery has always been my last resort and if you do have surgery and you're still not you know better then go back to those natural therapies and you know i've listed a ton of them in this podcast <laughs> that you can do um to basically get that mind body spirit complete wellness and long-term relief yeah what is something you wish you would have known when you were diagnosed well, I wish I would have known that endometriosis was missed a lot of the time. Um, 
I really just thought I went and had surgery and they didn't find endo. So that was the end of that. And then I really felt stuck for a really long time because I didn't understand that a lot of the time, if you don't have an actual endometriosis specialist, which I said, there's only 250 worldwide. So that's not very many, um, that it's missed a lot of the time. And when you do actually have a surgery and your endometriosis is missed, the healthcare community thinks that all the general OBGYNs know exactly what they're doing with endometriosis. And so they don't revisit that like ever. Like once you have the surgery and your endometriosis is missed, it's like, oh, we're moving on to the next thing. Like they don't even consider the fact that it might've been missed. And the only reason why I got my next surgery is because I found that endometriosis specialist who knows the reality and that a lot of the times it is missed and was like, no, we're going to go back in and see what's going on. Yeah. How does having endometriosis affect your daily life? Um, like I said, I really just have to be careful with what I eat. I have to be really careful of my stress levels. I've had to really do a lot of inner work and healing and I'm also an empath. So a lot of a lot of the time my environment and people's emotions would have a toll on me and I've really had to do a lot of work to keep my stress levels really low because when I'm stressed out that's when I have flares and also when I don't eat right I have flares as well and so it's really just that complete lifestyle change and I cannot stress that enough like it really is a complete lifestyle change like for most women that have endometriosis, they're going to have to do something besides just have surgery. Even if you have the best surgeon in the entire world, it's going to grow back eventually. There's no cure for it. But what you can do is when you change your lifestyle, you can really manage the symptoms very well. Yeah. How are you doing now with symptoms? Um, yeah, most days, like I said, most days I do really well. Most days I'm at like a one or two for pain. I do yeah. have bad days, but I would, for the majority, I'm, I'm doing really well. And I'm really proud of myself because um, going seven years without having a surgery is a pretty good track record for, for women with endo. So I think I'm doing all the right things and I'm giving my body what it needs. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. What piece of advice do you want to give listeners? Um, like I said, I've, I've definitely think that I've gone over a lot and given people a lot, but I really encourage people that are in chronic pain right now and don't want to take the easy road out because what I do with my clients, it's going to challenge you and it's going to make you have to commit and change some things in your life.
But if you're really ready for a complete lifestyle change, if you're ready to transform your mind, your body, your spirit, and really, you know, get those all in alignment, please reach out to me. And I would love to talk to you and see if, see if we could work together. Yeah, that's great. Um, how can someone show support for endometriosis? Well, there's Endometriosis Month, which is March, so you can always participate in that. We have marches, we have donations. Um, there's the Endometriosis Research Foundation. You can donate there. Um, you can join endometriosis groups if you want to learn more about it or if you think that you might you know, have it or you know somebody that has it. There's so many groups out there for both women with endo and for their partners and their families for support as well. Yeah, that's all great information. Um, how can listeners connect with you? Well, you can find me on Facebook, Lindsay Trombley. I also have Instagram. I have LinkedIn. Um, you can email me at lindsaytrombley at gmail.com. Um, yeah, any of those work. Okay, awesome. I will provide all that information in the show notes. Thank you awesome. for taking time to be a guest on the Chronic Illness Support Podcast to talk about endometriosis to help provide education and awareness. I enjoyed having you, Lindsay. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here. And all you endo warriors out there, keep fighting. It's a battle, but you got this. If you found listening to the Chronic Illness Support Podcast helpful in any way, please subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you so much for listening. <music>